Hi there, this is Chris, and welcome to the second part of our Halloween Double Bill special. Now, yes, the, the film that, um, that you chose for our spooky Halloween Double Bill. Yep, I've gone back to the master of horror, ah. Stephen King. Yes, I've heard of him. Yeah, yeah. Apparently, he's quite big in in the horror world. Yeah. Yes. So yep. they say I'm no expert, but apparently. Yeah. Um, and this is his very first original screenplay. Ah. I say original. Some of which are adapted from short stories. But it's his very first screenplay. Yeah. And it is yep. the anthology creep show. Tales of horror that will give you the creeps. This is going to be extremely painful, Mister Verrill. You'll ever have being scared. Creep show, rated R. Hey, creep show, and um, interestingly, 1982. So we're really um showing our age here. We certainly are. <laughs> First move from 1981, second from 1982. Now this one for me. I know we talked last week about Smokey and the Bandit being a a big video that I used to get out of yeah. the video shop all the time. This was another one. Oh, okay. Yep, I'd get my dad to get it out because I think it was a double A again. It was so you had to be at least fourteen years old to watch it. Maybe yep. even been a, a certificate X and eighteen. But my brother wasn't a fan of horror films, so he didn't watch it with us. So me and my cousin Ian, who is a massive Stephen King fan too, would sit down and watch this quite regularly. Your brother wasn't a fan of horror films. My brother bloody, hates horror films. Bloody wimp. Yeah, he doesn't like horror films. He doesn't like roller coasters. Oh. Yeah, I know. He doesn't like indie bands. I don't know what's wrong oh. with him. Yeah, so so me and Ian. Uh, would sit and watch this quite a lot and enjoyed it very much haven't seen it since then so I haven't seen it oh, since wow. I was probably about 13 or 14 years old far out so another another big expanse yeah. of time between so I, I remember it very fondly and you said just before we hit record that you hadn't actually seen it before no I realised I, I, for some reason I thought like I've, I've always known about Creepshow and always like I've, I've obviously read books that feature kind of stills from it and stuff because some of the, the visuals of it were, were familiar, but as I was watching it, I realised I'd never seen it. So I'm glad to have watched it just to say that it's, um, you know, as a, as a yeah. completist of kind of Stephen yeah. Kingy horror films. Because yeah. I think you'd said that you'd seen Creepshow 2. Yeah, I, I, I Creepshow. have seen Creepshow 2 because I do remember in particular the, the Raft um, story from Creepshow mm. 2. Which... The Raft's an interesting one because it's a lost Stephen King story, but that, that's another yeah. tale entirely. He wrote it for a. He used to write a lot for like Esquire and Playboy in the late sixties and things like that. Mm. And so he wrote a story called The Float, which is ah. what, what turned into the raft. But he he never had a copy. He he lost it. He lost the original manuscript. He couldn't get a replacement. So he rewrote re- it as the raft for the Skeleton Crew um, anthology book. Um which is it's a bloody good story actually. It's really, really good. Of course, because you, um, of of all people, are probably the most. You're, you, I'd call you an expert, actually, on Stephen King. Oh, yeah. you flatter me. I, no, no, I, I would. I expert would. with a small e. Well, yeah, it's more aesthetically pleasing with a small e, anyway. I think. Mm, yeah, it's like e Cummins, yeah. <laughs> yeah, your e expert. Um, <laughs> yes, there's, there's not a lot about Stephen King that you don't know. So, um, this must have been quite interesting for you to come back to this it was fascinating actually yeah it was mm. very very interesting i know when we reviewed pet cemetery and i'd said i don't rate him as a screenwriter yeah because his writing style doesn't really fit with with any sort of cinematic styles it kind of works with this 
mm. because mm. it's a lot more comic book. It's a lot more in your face. Yeah. And that fits in a lot more. There's, there's a lot more fun. There's nothing much to take seriously in this. Yeah, I was quite surprised when I watched this, actually, how um, comic it is. And I don't mean that just as based on a comic and comic style, because, of course, there's little animated mm. flourishes in this that kind of make it seem like it is comic-y yes. in a comic book. And, you know, you can Ang Lee obviously pinched from this when he did his Hulk. Yeah, um, yeah. Some was, of those transitions yeah. are very interesting, yeah. aren't they? Almost as much a comedy as it is horror. Yes. It's funny, isn't it? Because modern horror, whether it's the, the, the premise or the characters, certainly the characters, though, it, a lot of it starts these days in very banal, relatable, you know, normal situations or people who Absolutely. are just like us. Yes. And that's very much kind of the starting point for taking us into the kind of horrific elements of, oh, of the film. Oh, definitely, definitely. I mean, it starts it starts in a, in a family home. Yeah. Like a kid and his mum and dad. So it's, all, it's almost like that sort of Spielberg touch to it. And that sort of prologue, epilogue, is the kind of, definitely that sort of relatable, what an asshole dad he is. Oh, yeah. But as you sort of go throughout the, the stories, they're all very, and twi- you know, kind of Tales from the Crypt was like this as well, eccentric characters, sort of mm. millionaires. Yeah. People in very situations which are... Not too relatable. Not too relatable. And that, to me, kind of dated it a bit to sort of... Probably an homage to the um, EC Comics, which, of course, it was paying tribute to. It's almost like you you try and make a character interesting by giving them a larger-than-life profession, for example. So... So one of the, the the first one they are millionaires. Yeah. There's one where it's a TV star. There's yeah. You know, there's there's one where it's a, a, a college professor, or there's a multi-millionaire who's a recluse. So without actually giving them any characterization, it's it tries to make them interesting by making them larger than life. Yeah, yeah, and and the, the only one that kind of felt like a it could sort of fit into almost like a modern kind of horror film was the um the third episode with Leslie Nielsen and Ted Danson because it's kind of yeah. like. Okay, yes, Leslie Nielsen's character is this kind of psychopath millionaire, mm. but it's a it's a modern situation. It's two kind of normal people having an yeah, affair. Yeah, it's about and, adultery, yeah, yeah, basically. Yeah, 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 yeah. Whereas everything else is this kind of yeah, slightly yeah different. Um, I've read about EC comics. I've I've never really taken much time to read some of the EC comics, but that's Neither certainly what this was paying tribute to, yeah? Yeah, as far as, far as I know, yeah. And I'm, I'm getting in um, Romero as the director. Is, oh, yeah, of course, yeah. It, it adds to that kind of low-budget, I wouldn't say kitsch value, because obviously he was very serious when he made his original his, his early mm. films, but but it does add to that sort of bargain bucket kind of aesthetic to it, but mm. you can allow the effects to be a bit schlocky. less than realistic, so obviously getting Tom Savini in to do the special effects helps yeah. with that. Yeah. Um, so it, it it does make it look a bit plastic. So the, the it kicks off with this prologue about this poor kid who's trying to read this horror comic and his father's abusive and a total obnoxious. So the father's a bit of a horror stalwart. That's Tom Atkins, who oh, yeah. Yeah. is in Halloween Three. Oh, okay. Plays the sexy doctor in Halloween Three with the moustache. He's in The Fog. Plays the sexy guy with the moustache oh, in wow. The Fog. So that's okay. his kind of John Carpenter sexy guy with the moustache roles. Yeah. He's, he's recognisable in various horror films, so that's him. And he's basically saying crap quite a lot. Yeah. He says his son's comics are crap, they're crap, they're crap. Smacks his son in the face. Yeah. Now, the son is played by Joe Hill, otherwise known as Joe King. King. Stephen Steve King's I son. I read that, that it was Stephen King's son. Which is the yeah. cruelest name to give your child, other than Juan. <laughs> How many times did people go to him and go, oh, you must be Joe King? 
<laughs> Is that why he changed his name to Earl? I'd say it must be. I would. <laughs> He's, he probably officially said, oh, so I don't want to be associated with my dad. But yeah, you're called yeah. Joe King. You might as well be called Chris P. Noodle. It's terrible. You, you could just be sort of pretentious a bit. It's Joseph. You know, it's Joseph, Joseph King. King. That would work. Yeah, that would work. But yeah, but, yeah, but that's him. <laughs> his father's you know, kind of abusive, goes downstairs says something kind of about you know, this is why God created fathers or something just to be horrible bullying assholes mm. and um, the son sort of wishes him he would burn in hell and then you see this kind of almost looks like the crypt keeper but it's yeah. the creep like from, a revenant yeah, yeah sort of like this revenant there's a lot of revenants in this film they certainly are at the window sort of going <laughs> and then it cuts to this quite cool animated credits which I thought were quite neat yes I like them yeah and then into the first story Father's Day which is um, of note for an incredibly young Ed Harris oh wow Ed Harris with some hair yeah still in denial of his baldness um, <laughs> because you can sort of see that the whether that that little middle part was from a can I'm not sure because it's yeah the, the, the widow's <laughs> peak is there isn't it yeah <laughs> it's peaking yeah but yeah, he just not displaying any of the talent or charisma or sort of intensity that he would eventually become known for. The only intensity he shows is when he's dancing, <laughs> yeah. which and is an amazing sequence. It's a really bizarre it's sequence. Incredible. Like it's from a different movie that's just been slotted in here. Actually, but he's doing these strange movements with his arms. He's really grooving away to generic late seventies disco funk. And he's staring at his wife, and that's the only intensity that he gives. It's very, very weird. But he's worked with Romero. Did he work with Romero before this or after this? So it was Night Riders. Was I Knight don't Riders know. Before? I don't know actually. Before or after? I just I only just remembered that he was in Night Riders. That was a Romero film, wasn't it? I, I, I'm really not sure. Which was a really um. That's a strange film. But yeah, I just remember him being in that. And Tom Savini, I think, was in that. He okay. Was the, the baddie. The comic effects. The, you know the the sort of comic framing that's. Using this it's good, first. I like that. They are quite cool at first, and then at times they kind of detracted. It takes the suspense it, away, doesn't it? It's absolutely no suspense. Very quickly, you've kind of got this gruesome revenant clawing its way out of a grave. The, the thing that got me about this story, and it happens in, in one of the subsequent stories as well, this story basically goes A, B, C. Yeah. There's no twist, there's no irony. No. Because it, the, the story of this, just to sort of whiz through it, is there's a very spoilt, privileged family. Yeah. And it's Father's Day. And they're waiting for Aunt Bedelia to come along. And through a series of flashbacks, they reveal that Aunt Bedelia hated her father, Nathan, yep. because he killed her boyfriend. And so she murders him on Father's Day when he's saying, I want my cake. And so she goes to his grave. For some reason, he rises out of his grave as a revenant. Yeah. And kills everyone. Yeah. The end. The end. There's no, there's nothing in there. There's no twists and turns at all. There's, there's not even a, a Hammer, House of Horror level of impending dread or anything because there's no characters you really sympathise with. There's no revelation of the kind of the magic or the whatever that sort of allowed this to happen or that secretly it's the nice person who's been plotting this all along. Yes. And is, you know, it's just exactly like you say. But there's no it's, gruesome satisfaction either no. because... He was a horrible man, so she yeah. killed him. So he comes back and kills everyone. And kills her straight away. There's so. no sort of Tales of the Unexpected no. glee that comes out of that. No, there's no delicious irony or delicious, no. satisfying climax. It's very much... 
and as I was watching it, I was kind of like, wow, you know, this is kind of pitched at almost like a ten-year-old yeah. level. So the kid in the in the prologue is really the target audience here. Yeah. And if you were that young, some of what transpires in, in these stories probably would be quite mm. scary if you. Which and, is possibly and, when I was pre-teen. Yeah. I really loved it. Yeah. Because it's a very straightforward tale. Anyone over kind of ten, you you, you go well, not, so what? Yeah, exactly. What have I? What what are you saying in the story? Mm. That brings us to the next episode, which, without giving away any spoilers, has a similar sort of dissatisfaction to it. Mm, mm. Yeah. So this one is the lonesome death of Geordie Verrill, which I think is a reference to a Bob Dylan song. Oh, okay. Yeah. I I don't I'm not I don't really know much about Bob Dylan, but Bob Dylan's got a song which is called the. The Lonesome Death of Somebody Else's Name, which sounds a bit like Geordie Verrill. Because it's based on a short story by Stephen King called Weeds. Yeah. And so when this was adapted, he changed the name as a tribute to Bob Dylan. Ah. And of course, um, notable for Stephen King acting. Would you call it that? Well, he is so well cast as a dimwit, isn't he? he, (laughs) Of course, obviously, Stephen King is far from a dimwit. With those little beady eyes of his, a kind of simian sort of facial <laughs> structure the, that he has. The, the teeth going all yeah. the time. Yeah. He, he reminded just... me of, and it may have been an inspiration for that character in The Stands that I know we've talked about in the oh, past. Oh, you know, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. The, the big dimwit who goes M-O-O-N, that spells fuck. You know, him. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's very similar yeah. to him. Yeah, absolutely. He he kind of reminded me of um the character in uh, Men in Black, played by... Yeah. God, who's, God, who's the actor? It's George D'Onofrio. Yeah, yeah, Vincent, Vincent, Vincent Donofrio. Vincent Donofrio, George. Yeah, yeah. Vincent Donofrio. He sort of rem- reminded me of that, that yeah. character. And again, it's an alien meteorite lands in his... Yeah, absolutely. He's got the bib and overalls. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is quite, again, quite a straightforward piece. I guess, yeah. I guess the end does kind of leave a bit of, oh, shit, so the whole world's fucked. Kind yeah, of there's, there's a gruesome thing. end to it, which is nice. Yeah. But, but the rest of it is so straightforward. So straightforward. Meteorite lands on his backyard. He touches it. He starts getting infected with a kind of plant infection. And um, perhaps with, a, with um, a bigger budget or, I don't know, a different director, there'd be some quite gruesome body horror kind of moments. Yeah. And, you know, Much Cronenberg, like Cronenberg. Yeah. yeah, if he was let loose on this. Even his sort of infection wasn't that sinister it was just kind of like little bits of green fur yeah he he doesn't play it like he's frightened at all there's no fear it's basically 20 minutes of comedy yeah where he's getting covered in this green stuff and going oh meteor shit oh no yeah and weird sort of (laughs) dream sequences where he goes to visit the college professor it's it's just all played for comedy and not played for horror in any way at all and then the following morning he's completely green yeah. And he blows his head off. Even the bit where he looks, he's in the shower, I think, and he looks down because he's, his body's slowly getting yeah. overtaken. <laughs> he looks down at his, his willy. Little Geordie. Yeah. <laughs> and, oh no, not there! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then, yeah, like you say, has a very lonesome death at the end of it. And then we do, we find out that rain or water increases yes. the growth rate of this this alien weed and then um we hear that there's going to be a storm or something or yeah that's right forward. so we know the, we the know world we're... is in trouble and then mm. there's a nice stephen king thing at the end where we see a signpost to castle rock yeah, yeah right at the yeah. end which is that made me smile because things like that do 
but not the most impressive of stories. No, really not. And then um, episode three, or, or story three, which is called Something to Tide You Over, with um, some very interesting casting. <laughs> yes, it is very interesting. Little Ted Danson. Lily's so young. Oh, he's, he's tiny. He's so young. He looks just like quite a handsome leading man, which... Um, he doesn't have the sort yeah. of Sam Malone Buffon. No, he doesn't. He's sort of got a floppy Hugh Granty. If yeah, like a side was... parting kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, but it's a side parting. So this would have been... God, this would have been before... Is it Body Heat? He was also in... Yeah, I think it was... Because Body Heat was 81, 82 as well. 82. Yeah, okay. So right he would have... the same time. So he would have... And then straight into kind of Cheers, really. Straight into mega stardom. Yeah. Yeah. And Leslie Nielsen, who's very... I actually think he's really well cast. Yes. Yeah. I think he's fantastic. He's really good because he plays this um, sort of millionaire um, who's actually a total psycho who um, sort of catches, not in the act, but catches uh, young Ted Danson, handsome (laughs) Ted Danson, having an affair with his wife and plots plots this really sinister murder of them both where they um, get buried up to their necks. He takes Ted Danson out to his quite cool beachfront house buries him up to his neck we learn that he's done the same thing to his wife sort of further up the beach and ted danson gets to watch her on this really it's pretty horrible actually tv screen and um he sort of basically says look you have as the water comes in it loosens the sand enough for you to you can get out as long as you can hold your breath for long enough you'll be fine this I thought, oh, you know, it's something a little bit more grown up and kind of edgy, and oh, you know, something kind of unsettling is going to happen here. And again, just very straightforward. They die. We have another revenant. More, more revenants revenant. come back. More revenants. More unexplained revenants. Yes. The, yeah, there's no, there's no witch's curse. There's yeah, no nothing like that. Just people die and they come back. They look quite horrible. As, it's as rotted very quickly yeah, though. Rotted very, very quickly. Must be something in that water. Hmm. And they sort of come back, and he tries to shoot them, and they're already dead, and they bury him. But at least this time, there's a tale of revenge. You know, the bad yeah. he gets his comeuppance. So it's a lot more satisfying than Father's Day, where, nah, the, the baddie wins in that one, effectively. Whereas, at least in yeah. this one, they get their own back. Exactly, exactly. And um, But yeah, again, missed opportunity for... Um, maybe if it was, you know, kept to three chapters or something yeah in this story because i mean it's a two-hour movie there could have been i don't know stories of yeah. more substance yeah. or something i don't know but um, yeah. L- yeah lose the geordie verrill one and you could have more time with the remainder but i did find this one much more enjoyable than the previous two i did maybe too. the performances i think that the performances leslie nelson in particular really um made this much much more enjoyable and it's just a little bit more grown up but but I think that just the concept of burying someone in the sand up yeah. to their neck and waiting for the tide to come in is yeah. frightening. Yeah, it is. It's more frightening than, ooh, zombie comes out of the grave and chases after you. This is much more frightening. Yeah, yeah. Well, ooh, alien plant takes over yeah. your genitals. And and the, and the you know, the, the trademark Leslie Nielsen sort of jocularity, you know, that trademark Leslie Nielsen persona but played for sinister purpose. There is no, a great it's... shot at the end, though, because in, in, in some of these stories, when, when you know people are going to die, there's this really weird sort of comic strip red light that shines on them and yeah, flashes yeah. in the background. And when they yeah. do it to Leslie Nielsen, he's laughing <laughs> maniacally. Yeah. And it's brilliant. It's really funny. Yeah, yeah. 
So I enjoyed that. I found this one quite enjoyable. Mm, I agree, actually. And then the crate. The crate. I'll say now this was my favourite story. Yeah, I enjoyed this too. I enjoyed this one very much. Yeah, I thought it was good. Yeah. Again, some very good actors, isn't it? Hal Holbrook. Oscar nominee Hal Holbrook. He's still alive? Um, yeah, he's about 90 now. Good on you. Good I think he is still alive, yeah. And um, uh, Adrian Barbeau. Who at the time I think was still married to John Carpenter. There's a few John Carpenter connections in this one. To her being the, the main one, obviously. Yeah, I, I did enjoy this one. Mm. Quite a quite an interesting sort of concept. Yeah. A little bit different. Slightly misogynist, but oh, still, yeah. still kind of fun. Slightly misogynist is about the best you can hope for for films of this vintage, isn't it? As we've, <laughs> as we've, sadly, as we've sadly discovered. Yeah. Yeah, this is, the least misogynist of the films we've seen is about a man plotting to murder his wife. <laughs> this starts in a in a like a college or university, um, mm. and a janitor finds a crate at the bottom of the stairs, and it's marked like something like 1834 yeah. Arctic Expedition J Carpenter. There's a little The Thing reference there, too. Oh, nice. And so we go straight to a, a party where we meet Tabitha and Richard, uh, obviously wife and, and, and pseudonym of Stephen King. There's Adrian Barbeau, who's being very drunk and embarrassing. She's embarrassing her husband, Hal Holbrook, who's constantly dreaming of murdering her. He has these little fantasies about killing her all the time. She's quite fun, actually. Yeah, she is. She'd be a great laugh. I didn't think she was that bad in that no. party scene. But I'd be getting um, yeah. drunk with her. I'd be having a good old laugh. Americans are very puritanical about drinking, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. Hello to our American listeners. If that was a New Zealand barbecue, everyone would be pissed. They'd be giving oh. her the car keys, wouldn't they? <laughs> so the, the, the crate is then investigated by the janitor and one of the Stanley? professors at the university. Stanley? Stanley. Yeah. They open the crate um, and we hear this kind of sort of simian squealing from inside. And then a giant big toothy ape jumps out and takes the janitor and eats him. I quite like the ape. I did too. I mean, he's this real ridiculous amount of fangs. Yeah. And it doesn't look convincingly realistic or anything at all, but just the design of, of the ape was just... I liked it. Oh, yeah. I thought it was a giant Halloween mask, basically. Yeah. It's, it's fine. It, it does what it's meant to. It's it's a bit scary, and you know it's going to eat someone, so it's fine. Mm. Mm. So, so then a student goes for a look, and he gets eaten as well. Yeah. So then the professor turns up at Hal Holbrook's house, who's his... He's his colleague. They play chess together. They're, they're old friends. You can tell that. He gets all hysterical. Um, says, oh, there's something in the lab that's eating everybody. So so Hal Holbrook goes and he, he finds this creature. He cleans up the blood and he, he tricks his wife into going there. And that's that's basically his plan. Is she'll go there and she'll get murdered. Well, not murdered. She'll get eaten by the... She'll get eaten. The, the giant creature thing in the crate. And it does. It gets her. Yeah. It gets her. It, it eats her. So he chains it back up and dumps it in the quarry. But, but... But at the end... It breaks out. And so it's free. He's freed it. He hasn't killed it. He hasn't chained it up. He has freed it. Is it a metaphor for no matter how much you may try and suppress your darkest secrets or your, your evil desires or, or the evil that you've done, that it will still come out into the world? It could be a metaphor for that. I, I, but probably not. It might be something with, you know, the evil that men do will yeah. come back and bite them in the bottom. Literally. Quite literally, yeah. That would have been quite a good little postscript to the scene, Hal, Hal Holbrook getting his bottom business around. <laughs> so, yeah, I enjoyed that story. I thought it was good. I thought it was I very it was well performed. Too. I thought it was nice and suspenseful. Yeah. Just about the right length. It's a little bit longer than the previous three stories. Mm. This is probably the longest one out of all of them. Um, and quite rightly so. It was good. I, like I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it too. Mm. I, was, I was surprised, actually, when um, 
Adrian Barbeau's character did get eaten. I thought he was going to. Yeah. It may have been much more satisfying. Turn the table somehow. I don't know. Maybe get on the piss with the ape. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Put a flask. Make friends with the ape. Um, (laughs) But um, (laughs) technically, in storytelling terms, it would have been much more satisfying if the ape would have killed him rather than her. Yeah. Because she hasn't technically done anything wrong. Nah, she's just been... He's just you know, he's planning to murder his wife, so it would have been much more delicious if he'd have yeah. got killed. A nice little story, this one. Yeah. And Which brings us on to the final story. Yeah. They're creeping up on you. And um, now who's this actor? I should know who this is, but again, he's well, one I, of these I, guys. I'll that's... edit it, but um, I did write down his name. Yeah. And he is called E.G. Marshall. Of course, E.G. Marshall. Of course. The president from Superman 2. Yeah, because he's in heaps of things, E.G. Marshall. Felt like the plot of this I've seen a hundred times of this story. I don't know why. Maybe I have, maybe I haven't. But I felt like I'd seen this, whether it's roaches or spiders or something. I don't know. I just felt very familiar. Yeah, it feels like it should be something, like like you said, like Tales from the Crypt yeah, or, yeah. or The Outer Limits yeah. or one of those sort of things. Um, this is the one that I remember the most yeah. from when I watched it as a as a kid because it's got the most memorable things in it, which is mm. a million cockroaches. And um, sort of reclusive millionaire who's, who's got the... I'm not sure what the scientific name is. Mysophobia, which isn't a fear of mice. No, it's fear of germs. It's fear of germs, yes. Yeah. So it's that Howard Hughes kind of thing. So he's, he's holed up in this... Penthouse apartment, which is very Stanley Kubrick looking. It's yeah. very white, very sterile, very symmetrical. Yeah. And he, he, he hates bugs, terrified of cockroaches, and sees one and kills it. And this continues. Yeah. We, we learn he's called he's called something like Upton Pratt or something. Is that his name? Mm. Yeah. Should, should be. Should be. Yeah. <laughs> um, we, we learn that he's he's not very nice. No. As, as well as having this strange condition where he's got a fear of germs, he's also a very, very... Uh, ruthless businessman. He doesn't really care that one of his employees has killed himself due to the stresses of work or whatever. He's he's not a very nice man. And so as the story progresses, more and more cockroaches appear, which is basically the story. That is the story. Yeah. And so you, you may be led to believe, is this paranoia? Is he imagining them or are they actually there? But as more and more come in and they infiltrate his apartment and they... Oh, sorry, an insect just landed on my notes there. That was quite ironic. Um, oh. Yeah. As we go along, more and more appear. He tries to kill more and more and more come and get him. He goes into a panic room. He thinks he's going to be safe in there. Early appearance of a panic room in, um, in, in film or television. Yeah. And then, and then the last thing we see, which is quite memorable, is initially there's thousands of cockroaches and then there's none because they're all inside his body. Yeah. And they was, burst out whoa. of his body. It's a yeah. great, great special effect. I can see how that would have stayed with you. Yeah. Again, quite a linear sort of story. Yeah. Very but linear. really enjoyable. Hmm. I really like yeah, this one enjoyable. too. It's good. It was good. Hmm. It's a good little, practically a one-man show. I mean, there's a brief yeah. appearance of like a, a building supervisor who he's nasty mm. to. So mm. are we led to believe that because he's mean to these people and they know he doesn't like bugs, that they've kind of put the bugs in there? We don't know. Or is it more supernatural? Or, is yeah. it just insect revenge? Is it sort of just, yeah, the, the universe yeah, smiting itself upon him for being yeah. such a horrible, yeah, yeah. It's a sort of karmic... Either way, it's got, yeah. that, it's got that delicious ending yeah. that some of the other stories didn't have. This is satisfying because he's a git. He doesn't yep. like bugs, so the bugs get him. That's good. And, the, and that effect, like you say, of his sort of body is contorting as the as they come. Uh, yeah. You know, I mean, that's yeah. 
It's great. It's very vivid. As a mm. as a child, I really liked it, and as a grown up horror fan, I I enjoyed that shot too. I thought it was good. So sort of all, all up, sort of three out of five. Sort of two really quite good ones and, and yeah. one okay one. Yeah. I, I thought I was going to be in for a a very poor ride when yeah. the first two stories finish because then the first two aren't very good at all. No, they're not. Yeah, and they get better. They do get better. Yeah. 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 Better. It's particularly the crate. I thought the crate was really good. Yeah, I, I agree. like that a lot. Well, we've forgotten the epilogue. Well, of course, the epilogue. Of course, because we we've started the story with with Tom Atkins hitting his son and saying he reads crap, mm. and the son wishing he rots in hell. Yep. As soon as the cockroach one finishes, we're we're back in that street and we see the the bin men taking the comic away. One of which is played by Tom Savini. Yes. Um, and they're flicking through this comic and they notice that one of the little jokey ads in there has been taken out and sent for, which is a voodoo doll. So these are the sort of the, the ads that you have in the back of the comics with like the sort of Charles Atlas and the yeah, sea monkeys, the, the X-ray and, specs yeah, and that sort yeah, of thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. And there's one for a voodoo doll, and they say, oh, someone's already done that one. And then the dad's in the kitchen going, yeah, I think I taught him a lesson. And he's going, ooh, phew, my neck hurts. Ooh, ah, ooh, I'm in a bit of pain. <laughs> yeah. And we see that Billy has got a little voodoo doll, and he's sticking pins in it. And yeah, dad fantastic. drops down dead. Good on you, Billy. Yeah. Good on you. Well done. Yeah. He wasn't joking. <laughs> no, but, interesting yeah. that Stephen King writes a story where his own son kills his father yeah ooh, mm. ooh. Mm. therapy session there yeah I think so yeah Yeah. and then fade out the yep. end so Chris so still any good look it's it's an interesting one because it's five separate stories yeah and we've already established that two of them weren't good yeah and the following ones range from quite good to very good it's it's a hard one to quantify. It's a hard one to put it together is. as a whole. Yeah. But I'd have to say yes, still yeah. good. Mainly because the the stories got more enjoyable as they went along. So you sort of finished on a on a positive note. Absolutely, yeah. Those, mm. those final three, I enjoyed all of them. Yeah, good. So that's what I'm left with at the end is is this satisfaction that I enjoyed some good horror stories. So oh, I'd have to say good. yes, I enjoyed it. It was good. Yeah, excellent, excellent. How about you? The the first two really did worry me. I thought, oh, jeez, okay, because I I really didn't like the first one at no. all. I no, just I thought didn't. that was I thought that was rubbish. I didn't think it made um, any sense. Yeah, the the second it was like, wow, okay, and then much like yourself, oh, okay, we're getting into some actual decent storytelling yeah, here. We're having some fun, and, though, yeah. Um, yeah, and so on balance, I'd say yeah, it's, I was glad I'm glad I I saw it, but because mm-hmm. also just as a curiosity with the. I mean, there's some very good actors in there, and mm. some of them, like Ted Danson and Ed Harris, just kind of in the early stages of their career. Interesting seeing Ted Danson and Ed Harris Danson. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that could be. A, yeah, that could have been a po- on the poster. <laughs> Harris Danson and Harris Danson. <laughs> so you know, on on balance, I'd say yeah, it was. But like you say, it's it is difficult when it's an anthology, and not all of them are strong. It was uneven. It's very much like the Tales of the Unexpected we talked about. Where we know some stories yeah. are better than others. This this yeah, is yeah. the same, but just as a feature. Yeah. And I was also a little bit thrown because I don't know why, but I think I was expecting more straight horror. Yeah. Less kind of zany comedy. Yeah. A, a bit scarier horror, not sort of... But then as a tribute to EC Comics and the, and the kind of plots and monsters and ghouls and things they had, it's, it was probably... Quite accurate. So, um, Which then yeah. begs the question: Who is this film intended for? I think it's intended for kids. However, then you get to something like something to tide you over, which is 
a, a little bit adult. It's a bit adult, but also two two of the stories contain sexual swear words. Oh yeah, fuck. there are some f bombs in there. So yeah. you think, well, it's not for kids then, because yeah. those, especially in the early eighties, that would immediately give it a fifteen or an eighteen rating. Yeah, it's strange, isn't it? Yeah, but it did very well at the box office. It it, it certainly made its money back. Yeah, and, and spawned um much like Piranha, um spawned. <laughs> One or two, one sequel I think, which was cinematically released, another sequel which is kind of yeah. like direct, direct to video. Yeah, Cre- Creepshow Two had. I don't think Stephen King had anything to do with Creepshow Two other than the original story. Yeah. Of of the raft, I think Romero wrote the screenplay and somebody else directed it. Okay. Creepshow Three came out about ten years ago and had yeah, nothing yeah, to do yeah. with either of them, and has the the, the quite proud boast of zero percent on Rotten Tomato. Oh wow, wow. Um, That's but I read that. Um, Greg Nicotero, who is the showrunner for The Walking Dead, yeah. is bringing it back as a TV series. Oh, I think okay. the pilot comes out this month, actually. So it's just going to be an anthology yeah. series. Which could be fun. Oh, yeah. Yeah, horror anthology series. Okay, yeah. yeah. All right. That's something we haven't seen for a while. This day and age, you know, with things like sort of Black Mirror and mm. just the, the quality of television, the expectation of quality television these days, the um, yeah. stakes are, are pretty high. But yeah. modern horror as an anthology could be fun. Yeah, was was there sort of a um, Friday the Thirteenth the series which sort of had nothing to do with the movie, and it, that was kind of a horror anthology as well. It was That's like right. They, they had these sort of haunted or evil artifacts in this museum or something, and each episode was kind of a self-contained story around something that was. That's right. That's right. Yeah, that's yeah. one I. Yeah. Yeah, it was different stories. Yeah, which they that, were. Some of those were good. Some of those weren't. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I used to quite like that. Hmm. So no, this is, well. Let's hope that Greg Nicotero. Um, yeah, does that could be interesting. Does, yeah. Does better than the last few seasons of Walking Dead. Mm. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Jesus. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> what have we got next? So it is my turn, and I've chosen a, a film that was I remember watching many, many times with some very good friends of mine when I was about. 11 or 12 mm-hmm. I had this kind of very sh- relatively brief but contained period of my life where I was quite into basketball and basketball culture okay I was never good at basketball <laughs> but I did try for a while and um, I, I did like the um, as I said the the, uh, the culture and um, this film I found hilarious thought it very charismatic leads really really enjoyed it and it is called White Men Can't Jump Excellent. I've never seen it. Wow. Um, so I, I love it when this happens. When mm. I, I get all a bit sort of anxious and, and nervous. And, oh, <laughs> Will he like, like it? Will he hate oh, it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, hope I like it. So um, <laughs> I can't remember off the top of my head who directed it, but of course Woody Harrelson, Wesley Snipes. I'm going to guess it was Ron Shelton. Yeah, Ron Shelton. He liked this. He does. His, he, he does good sports he, movies. He so I'm, I'm looking forward movie. to that. Probably Snipes at the peak of his power. So it's um, yeah tax evasion so um <laughs> that's what we're going to be l- looking at next brilliant i hope it's a slam dunk and other basketball terms yeah there will be a load of balls there we are well <laughs> very good <laughs> thank you <laughs> right Shall we? it's it's gone 10 o'clock it's, it's sunday night it's raining o'clock. outside so uh, <sighs> i think it's time to wrap it up don't it is you? time it is time to wrap it up yeah. that was our, our epic late double bill recording thank you very much i really enjoyed that that was great. i did too i did too usual housekeeping if you want to get in yep. touch with us we are on twitter at still any good pod instagram still any good pod we're also on facebook still any good and if you want to email us still any good at gmail.com 
com. Yep. You can find us in the usual places. iTunes, please rate and review us. Please subscribe. Um, Spot- we're on, Spotify. Yeah, we're on Stitcher as well. I don't even know what that is, but apparently we're Ooh. on Stitcher. Okay. And also, if you ask Alexa, I want to listen to Still Any Good, you get through to us. Wow. Yeah, cool. I know. Alexa knows who we are. She certainly does. Great. But quite yeah. interestingly, going through Spotify, our small range of Spotify listeners, they seem to really like our Once for Warriors episode. Oh, okay. So the Kiwis, probably. Yeah, but just so many downloads of that on on Spotify. Oh. It's strange. Not Very oh. few of the others, but just that one. I wonder if it's because there's not many podcasts that have covered Once for Warriors. Maybe. Maybe. Or someone just accidentally hit repeat. <laughs> yeah. It was me. Yeah. I'll, fess, I'll fess up. I'll own up. This is awkward. Yeah. I found you out. Right. It's time to go. I'm going All out right. of my garage. I'm going back into my living room. And I'll go out of my home office and into the hallway. That's nice for Where you. I'll stay for the rest of the night. I do hope you enjoy it. <laughs> All right then, yep. Chris. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, great fun. I'll talk to you shortly. Yep. See you Goodbye, soon. Listeners. Bye, folks. See, See ya. ya.